Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the podcast, and I'm so glad you're sitting here with me today at the kitchen table. You know, we've been talking for most of this summer about the lies we believe in motherhood, and I invited you to send questions in, questions that maybe one of the episodes sparked a thought you had that you needed more clarity over. In the last two weeks, we were addressing a question really that a lot of y'all had sent in. Um, One listener really phrased it well, which simply was, I am so unbalanced. I feel stressful and anxious, and I'm not sure that I'm parenting successfully because of that. And so we talked about it from two places, right? We talked about it in our vertical framework, meaning how do we walk with Jesus first to anchor ourselves when our lives feel out of balance? And then once that is in place, then last week what we talked about is how do I then engage with my child and study my child so that when life throws something new at me or my child enters a new stage of development or there's a crisis that I'm equipped because I actually have insight into that child. I have been, I've become a student of my child. So if you miss those two episodes, honestly, I wish you would go back and listen to them. Um, I would love to hear even conversation about those and what you thought about those. But this week, the next question came from someone else, but oh my goodness, I felt like it set so beautifully after you become a student of your child, then the question becomes, okay, so how do I discipline them confidently? How do I discipline, discipline them with grace, but still with consequences? And I kind of want to share my journey because when we first started having children, my parenting looked a lot different than it does now. And I do think, and I've, you've heard me say it before. I know I said it in the ages and stages series that I have been learning and learning and learning. And the way I parent my last few is because I have learned that a lot of the things that I thought were big or major in the first couple of kids I had, I have learned God has settled my soul about that. And I know those aren't needing the amount of energy I wanted to expend into them, if if that makes sense. So for instance, our second child sucked her thumb. And I mean, I spent a lot of time and energy worrying about when she was going to stop sucking her thumb. Like I just was worried I would never get it to stop, that it wouldn't happen, that it would be a big traumatic event, that I would have to do all these horrible things I've heard people do, like put stuff on her thumb that made it taste horrible. Like I just have heard all these things about how it was so traumatic. And I spent a lot of energy worrying about that. And I 
had another thumb sucker and I realized it's going to be okay. I know exactly how to handle this. And when the time comes, God and the two of us, we will walk through this and we will do it well with confidence, with joy, with anticipation of the nights that we don't suck our thumb and it will be good. And I can just enjoy this child in the years that she sucks her thumb. Now that's a silly example, but oh my goodness, y'all, I spent a lot of time in spaces, worrying, expending energy, trying to get answers, trying to figure things out. Very concerned because the world or other people had told me I needed to be concerned about those things. But the Lord has really been teaching me freedom in coming to him and trusting that he is at work and that he has the answers for the questions I have concerning my children. So today we're going to be talking about how do we discipline confidently yet full of grace, but still instilling consequences, having boundaries and parameters around which we parent our children And then how, by that parenting, do we actually make the gospel relevant to that child? Because it's easy, it is easy to parent with boundaries. The world does that. Everybody does that. I mean, nowadays we're seeing more and more people maybe who don't do that, but pagans parent with boundaries, y'all. So it is not parenting with boundaries that we are called to as followers of Jesus. We are called to be ambassadors of reconciliation to our children. 2 Corinthians 5 introduces this idea, and I want you to understand that honestly, this is what you're called to as a mama. You are not called to parent with boundaries to have a good kid or to have a kid who follows the rules or is a contributor to society or is kind to his friends or even a child who succeeds, who she looks good and she's doing great things. We are called to be ambassadors for Jesus in our homes. And that means really that we lead them to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through the end of the chapter in 21, lays out for you and for me a mindset shift of what motherhood, I think, should look like. Paul starts it by saying, the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So in those pa- this, these first couple verses, we are, in the ESV, what I read, it says controlled by this concept that the love of Christ has come for us. I think it's in the NIV that it says it compels us. It is the motivating force for the way we interact with others. And y'all, in your home, it's got to be your motivating force. It's got to be the understanding that Jesus died for my sin 
and therefore my I can begin to engage with my children with that out that mindset, that outlook. So then he goes on, he says, So from now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. For me, that was a very convicting verse because most of my early motherhood, I regarded my kids according to the flesh, according to right and wrong, good and bad, what they did well, what they did not, fixing what was wrong, and making sure it looked right. And I thought that that was good. I mean, I was couching it in be kind to one another, love one another, um, you know, and I was layering on top, Jesus loves you. But the reality was I was regarding them according to their flesh. And I wasn't carrying out what Paul writes here. So what he says is he says, we regard no one according to the flesh. And then in verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So that is a change that has happened to you and me as believers. Maybe to our children, if our children are saved. But most of us have children at home and they may not be saved. But listen to this. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is our calling, Mama. This is it. When we're a warrior on a battlefield, it is to be a minister of reconciliation. In fact, he says in verse 19, he says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So Paul is saying this to people and he's saying, I'm imploring you. I am an ambassador for Christ because of what Christ has done for me. He says, God has called me to this message. He says, I'm his ambassador. I'm making an appeal for God to you. And y'all, that's what we get the sacred privilege to do in our home. We don't get to change our kid. We don't get to make their hearts follow Jesus and love Jesus. We don't have to. God's not calling you to that. That is Holy Spirit work. He is not calling you to fix your kid and make them behave well, make them successful, make them anything. But he is saying, my love for you should compel you to speak of my love for your child, to your child. Just simply should. You are my ambassador. You're the one I have chosen to show Jesus to them. And so that has to become our mindset where we have to stop looking at our kids according to the flesh. And we talked about that last week, about being a student of our child, about understanding who they are, what they struggle with, where their sin is going to trip them up every time so that we can have compassion on them there. So that we can not be surprised and not be shocked and not be mortified. And y'all, I am the chief when I say these words. I, I promise you, I struggle on all those fronts. I struggle when one of my kids does something that is not okay. 
We had something happen lately in our home, and I had to bring it back to this because I wanted to regard this child according to their flesh. I personally wanted to be offended. I was mortified that they would have done what they chose to do. It was a very outward expression. It was the world could see. And I almost missed being an ambassador with the Ministry of Reconciliation because I almost, because I started to, in fact, I did, I had to go and clean some of it because I've already confessed in here that my tongue can spout off before and I had to go back and go, I am sorry that my first reaction to you was straight up, you know, irritation, embarrassment, and almost shaming you for what you did. Now there is sin there and we're going to understand this sin and we're going to bring this sin before Jesus and we're going to talk about it and we're going to root down in it and we're going to actually weed out what is at the bottom of your heart because y'all the reality in that situation, what that child had chosen to do had nothing to do with what really was motivating their heart and great fruit came from this conversation over days of working with reconciliation in mind speaking as an ambassador for a God who loves that child so completely that now we're three weeks out and it is a beautiful thing. But I needed to remember the mindset shift that God had taught me, has taught me, and is continually teaching me because clearly at that moment it was not fresh in my mind. And that is this. We have realized that the law, the rules in our home, are not put in place for our children to perfect. That's the mindset shift. Let me say that again, and I'm going to expand on it. But this is how we discipline. People ask, how do you discipline with grace, with consequences, pointing to Jesus? This. I carry ever right in front of my eyes. And when I mess up like that time when I, I forgot and I had to go back and clean up, it had to come back forefront in front of my eyes that the law, the rules of my home, the expectations for how you will behave are there not for my child to live up to. They are not there for that purpose. And when I believe that the rules of my home are for my kids to perfect, to behave well enough, to be good enough, I am not, I am not a minister of reconciliation. I'm not. I want to take you over to Galatians and I want you to understand something because this is the gospel. Jesus came to set you free. We all know that from the bondage of sin. But before Christ, God had put something in place, the law, and the law was put in place to point to our desperate need for Jesus. That's in Galatians. So we're going to go look there so that you can understand. But if you don't have a Bible and you're just listening to me, I want you to understand this concept. The law 
was put in place by God, right? It was put in place with Moses. He brought down the Ten Commandments. And then all this law, all these rules stem out of these Ten Commandments. But they were never put in place for us to live up to and be perfect under. Were they? No. I mean, from the very beginning, God goes, you're not going to be able to. So I'm going to give you a system by which you can gain forgiveness. And so he gave them a system of sacrifice in the Old Testament. And until Jesus came and said, I am the Lamb of God. I am the final sacrifice. I am the high priest. I am the one who takes care of all of this sacrifice on both sides. I am both the lamb and the priest. And then I, in Hebrews, it says he sat down because it, it was done. And we have been set free. But Galatia, in Galatians, Paul says this. He says, in Galate, we're going to talk in Galatians 3. And we're going to say, we're going to start verse 10. It says, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be anyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. And the law is not faith. Rather, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing might come to the Gentiles that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So Paul is saying in this paragraph here, he's saying, for always it's been, you have to rely on the works of the law, yet you'll never live up to the works of the law. And you know that you are cursed and Christ redeemed you from the curse by becoming sin, right? He hung on the cross. Okay, so that's verses 10 through 14. It sets up this concept that the law was put in place to point to our need for a savior. It never was put in place to save us. But Paul makes it even clearer. Down, if you drop down in verse 19, it says, well, why then the law? Well, it was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made until Jesus should come. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin. So Paul is saying the law has imprisoned everything under sin. Why? Because the law lays out every way that you mess up. That's what it lays out. But then it says in verse 22, the second half, it says, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. It says, now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So what am I saying with that passage? That is the understanding of the gospel. The gospel says there is a law. You will never measure up to the law. You will never live your whole life perfect. We all know that. We all know this. We desperately need a savior. And Christ came to set you free from the law. The law no longer applies to those who believe 
as a curse holding you captive, right? But then when we walk into our home environment as parents, we very naturally begin to create law. You need to be kind. Don't hit your sister. Don't do, don't lie. Don't steal or take a toy from your friend. Don't sass me and be disrespectful. Don't, right? We begin to create law. Is there something, should we not create law? Should there not be rules in our home? No, there, there should be rules in our home. There should be. In fact, if you look, um, Christ deals with the law in the Sermon on the Mount, right? He, he says, well, you have heard this, but I say to you this. And if you really read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, what you realize is that Christ goes, well, you say don't do this, and it's very surface. And he says, but I say don't do this, and it's at a much deeper level, a heart level. So Christ says, it's not only a top layer of behavior, it's actually a heart layer that I'm telling you, you can't do. So Christ is in essence saying, oh yeah, there's law and law is important, but law is important because it reveals a heart. And so in our home, rules are important, but they are important because they reveal a heart with a need. So when I parent and I'm regarding my children according to the flesh, I'm irritated, I'm annoyed, I cannot believe they are not obeying the law for the law's sake. I have forgotten my chief role with my child is as an ambassador of reconciliation. But when I parent with rules in my home, with the expectation and the anticipation that those rules will be broken, I can become an ambassador for reconciliation because I've eliminated irritation, mortification, being annoyed, um, being disgusted, being discouraged that my child continually does the same thing. I'm eliminating that from the equation because all I've done when I set rules in place was in essence, open up pathways for conversation about why they need Jesus. And I, I don't know if I'm doing a good enough job of explaining this, but oh my goodness, I want you to have this mindset shift. Yes, you should have rules in your home, but these rules are the roadways for your children to be introduced to Jesus Christ. These rules become the pathway that point to the perfect one who never breaks a rule and did that on their behalf. You see, when these rules are broken in our home, And I meet that with an understanding that I was anticipating that rule to be broken. I can come with the compassion of a fellow sinner and sit beside my child and say, I know you're struggling to obey. I know that's why you're in here today and you disobeyed and your heart wants to be in charge, doesn't it? You want to be the boss. You don't want to obey mommy today. But when you choose to tell mommy no, to tell mommy you're not listening, that you're rejecting what I have to say, because that's some, it's 
really what happens when our children disobey, right? What you are saying is I'm in charge. I'm the one. And you are choosing to disobey. And that, my love, is sin. And God's not surprised that you want to be the boss. He invites you to understand that he is in charge and he invites you to obey him. And one of the ways that you learn how to obey is by learning to obey mommy and daddy. But more importantly, even than learning to obey, is beginning to understand that that very sin that says inside of your heart, I want to be in charge, is the sin that separates you from God. And the only way for you and for mommy, because I also want to be in charge a lot and I also want to be my, do my own thing. And that's sin in mommy's heart. But Jesus came to take that sin, to change my heart, to change your heart, to help you begin to walk in obedience so that you can understand and learn and grow with God. And you see, when we begin to sit down with our children and unpack the breaking of the rule, the breaking of the law, as a place of desperate need for a savior, rather than making the rule be the end that needs to be fixed, We offer them grace and we offer them compassion. There will still be consequences. Consequences don't change. The boundary is the boundary. Sometimes for just sheer safety reasons, there's boundaries, right? But meeting the breaking of the rule with compassion, pointing to the Savior who will ultimately set them free from this bondage. That is what it means to be an ambassador of reconciliation. It requires a mindset shift in us on the daily, maybe on the minute by minute, because I'll promise you that in my mornings when there are multiple fights that break out and then somebody tells me, no, they don't want to do something. And then somebody else snatches something and, um, somebody else, I don't know, does something rude. I mean, it's very hard for me, every rule breaking, every law being messed up in my home, all the chaos that begins to ensue. It is very hard for me who I am to consider everybody not according to the flesh. I want to consider everybody according to the flesh and I want to start ripping off how everybody's breaking all the rules and everybody just needs to go to their separate corners and be quiet and stop. But that does nothing to bring my child back to the understanding that this rule and the way you have treated this rule highlights your need for a savior. And that, that is the conversation we want to get to. Now, I've been asked, well, I mean, do you do this with every little thing? And yeah, long, short. Sometimes I can do, sometimes it's a long conversation. Sometimes it's very, very short. Like, so just today, um, 
great living com- late living example of this was Timothy wanted to show something to Caroline. Caroline was completely uninterested, did not want to see it. It was a card trick. She was absolutely uninterested and did not want to see it. And she, but instead of, she, and you, you have the right to say, I'm, I, I don't want to watch that, right? That, that's not necessarily being unkind. But what she chose to do was unkind. So what she, the actions she took were very unkind. The words that she said and what she called, she called him and something ugly and stomped away. And those actions were very unkind. So the conversation, because that is a rule that is broken in our home. Okay. Cause there's a rule in our home. The rule is you're going to be kind to one another, period. Like every time you're always going to be kind to one another. But how that was uh, addressed by me this morning was very simple. It wasn't long. I said, Caroline, what's going on with you and Timothy? And she tells me her point of view, which is she's very irritated and annoyed by her brother who keeps asking her to see something and she's trying to do something different. And I said, I understand that you are trying to do something, but did you communicate kindly that you were trying to do something different or did you communicate unkindly? And she said, unkindly. And so then it's the question is very quick. It's the question is, well, what does that display about your heart? That's it. That's the question. That's the gospel question because a broken rule displays a heart issue. When we're students of our child from last week and we begin to understand this, then this becomes an easy thing. What is this rule display about your heart? Well, where do you think you and Jesus can, what can you and Jesus do to change what's going on in your heart? And then what can you do relationally with Timothy? That was it. It was two minutes. I didn't really pause a whole lot. We were standing in the kitchen. I squatted down. I talked to her for a minute. She understood. We stood there for a minute more. She prayed. She went to Timothy. She said, I'm really sorry that I said it that way and I called you that name. I have to get something done and then I'd like to see your trick. That's kindness. And she can put boundaries up. She was in the middle of something. That's not it. But we're going to be kind. And then... That is, in essence, a gospel conversation. She knew full well that what was actually being portrayed was the sin within. But that there is a Savior who welcomes her coming to him with that sin, holding it out to him and saying, well, this is the junk today. And Jesus goes, and I wipe it clean because I love you and I forgive you and I will help you walk in love today. And that's what Jesus promises to our children very little, to us very big. And you and I get this sacred space to operate in. Mamas, we are ambassadors of reconciliation to our kids. Let the love of Christ that has set you free, let it compel you to speak and to work and to walk with your children in such a way that You anticipate the rules being broken because you understand these rules are only put in place to prove that they can't measure up. 
You see, when you switch that in your head, and yeah, the rule's there. And some rules, when they break them, it's going to break your heart. I, I will testify to that. My children have done and broken rules, and it has broken my heart. Because there's huge consequences for some things. But, but, the love of Christ compels me to not look at them as flesh, but to understand they desperately need a Savior. And if it takes that horrible rule being broken and those horrible consequences having to be walked through by them, by us, by everybody, I don't know, and yet at the other side, they will understand the great, awesome love of Jesus for them. It will be worth it. It will. And yes, your heart will grieve. God's heart grieves for us. Jesus was full of compassion for how lost the people were, like sheep without a shepherd. And we can grieve But let us be ministers of reconciliation. I hope this answers that question a little bit about how do we discipline with grace, but with consequences, with a mindset that lets our heart rest as the parent. Like we know what we're doing. We know what we're about. We're not rocked because all of a sudden our kid that was so good is all of a sudden making mistake after mistake after mistake. I will promise you, my kids who go through seasons where all of a sudden they're making mistake after mistake after mistake, you know what I've seen in those seasons? Those are the seasons where they begin to cling to the cross. Because they begin to understand they need Him. They need a Savior. So, until next time at the kitchen table, you can definitely send me any questions that you have. um, And you can... Um, talk to them on the website or you can send me an email I enjoy getting them and I look forward to talking to you again I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through if you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments head over to bethanykimsey.com that's where you'll also find the show notes with any links as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.